0: Hello and welcome to Make It Clear, a conversational podcast about all things related to water and wastewater. I'm your host, Angela Bounds, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Rapp. In each episode, we'll tackle a relevant topic with facts and expert opinions and make things clear. Hello and welcome to the Make It Clear podcast again. We're so glad that you're all here. Today, we're going to talk about pumps. I think a lot of us don't really pay attention to all of the pumps in our lives. They're everywhere. We've got pumps in our cars. We've got pumps in our dishwashers. <laughs> we've got, we've got pumps all over in our lives.
1: Well, it's really true. I mean, especially if you think like the folks in the folks in the Midwest and some other areas where anywhere you've got a basement where you're in a high water table, there's a sump pump, right? You know, they're, um, there's the water plants that move water around. If you do not on a gravity tower, you probably have a pump that's moving your water somewhere. Mm-hmm. Your gasoline and your that goes to your car has to be pumped out of a tank somewhere. Yep. So I mean, pumps are everywhere, and like Angel was saying, we really don't think about them, but they affect every part of our lives.
0: Yeah, they're they're everywhere. We use them all over in our lives, and we really don't give them much thought, in, unless they need replacing. Right. <laughs> and then that's when when we think about them. So pumps are used in wastewater systems also. Big systems, small systems, decentralized, centralized. It doesn't really matter. Almost all systems use pumps. You know what's pumps. really interesting
1: is that pumps are actually one of the oldest mechanical devices on the planet. Right. And they go all the way back to the origins in ancient Egypt, 200 BC, when the ancient Egyptians moved water out of the Nile River. They had to have some way to lift it out into the irrigation fields. And that's where pumps originally are thought yep. to have started. Yeah. And uh, they've just kind of evolved over time. It's it's kind of interesting. Right. To have this really ancient technology that's we use every day and don't even think about.
0: That's, that's now changed and evolved and come so far. So to talk with us today about pumps, aside from just Sean and I, <laughs> we've got Steve Sinks with us. Steve is our Northwest Account Manager, and he is our pumps guru. I don't I don't think we talk about it very often, but we do a lot of training, both in-house. We have webinars that we offer, and Steve is our resident pump expert. He does all of our pump training. So welcome, Steve. Thanks for having me. Looking forward yeah. to it. Good to have you here. We're really glad that you could do this with us because I do believe that you are the foremost expert on this topic. (laughs) So before we get into how we use pumps and how we move wastewater with them, we all know that all pumps are not created equal. So what do you think it is that makes a good pump?
2: So here at Orenco specifically, and obviously in the industry, it's quality serviceability and repairability so obviously quality of materials whether it be stainless steel um, type of uh, products that we use on our pumps the high-end cord that we use on our products compared to other products and then also all of our pump products are serviceable and repairable Mm -hmm. with spare parts so it gives you the flexibility so those are the really major parts and then obviously you know Life cycle costs, our pumps, you know, can last uh, most often 15, 20, even 25 years. So that's another thing is how long the life of that pump is, is what's going to determine whether you're using a quality pump or some other type of pump in the wastewater industry.
0: Yeah. If you, uh, if you were to walk around our facility, you would walk by one of our shops and you will hear the click on and click off of yeah. a pump. Every single day, because yep. there's a pump out there being tested or cycled through every day,
2: yeah, and that, and that goes back to you know our, our research and development. Not only do we have you know systems here on site, but they're on site, and they, tr- they actually perform the functions of all the, the pumping systems that we might have out in the world. We do that kind of testing here at, at Arenco. so we have, like you said, right. every building's hooked up to a system. Every building has one or two pumps hooked it up is. to it, and they yeah. pump all day long, all weekend. Yeah, so it
0: is. We mm-hmm. hear them every day. We put them through the ringer. That's for that's, sure. That's true. <laughs> all right. So, can you explain for the listeners what equal distribution is, and then how exactly a pump can can ensure that you get? equal distribution? Sure.
2: Yeah. So d- just to kind of start at, at the beginning. So there's, you know, obviously many different kinds of pumps. We'll talk, you know, and so there's effluent pumps and there's sewage pumps and there's grinder pumps. All those pumps move liquid in some fashion. Right. The equal distribution part comes into when you're gravitating to a system without pressure as a pump would deliver it, you're not always guarantee that you're going to get equal distribution to a single drain field or equal distribution to a drain field that may have many different pipes which we call laterals in our industry. So right. what happens is when you have a pump and it pumps and it fills that pipe up and it sends that equally to all the lines equally because you've pressurized that line, that's what we mean by equal distribution of a drain field. So it just basically you pump it from the tank to the drain field. The drain field may have many lines and it equally distributes it throughout all those lines equally. Unlike mm-hmm. a gravity system, you wouldn't necessarily fill all those part pipes equally with right. a gravity system rather than a a pump system.
0: I think of it like, I-, I always think of it as like, it's the difference between watering your yard by Bringing a five gallon bucket of water out and pouring it into one patch of the grass versus using a sprinkler system or something else that runs that water over the whole area.
2: That's a great analogy or a great visual where if you use a sprinkler head, it spreads it out amongst, you know, 20 square feet. Where if you took right. that bucket, you're pouring it in one square foot. And right. all you're doing is, yeah, that's a great analogy, great
0: visual. And eventually visual. that's going to become saturated, right? Yeah, exactly. But only it's that con- area is going to saturated. Only that area is going to turn to mud. It's not going to yeah. grow grass, right? Right. The
1: other right. thing we have to remember, too, is that uh, trenches, like the laterals, can vary in elevation. Like One end could be higher than the other, even though you've shot the levels and we're mm-hmm. all human. When you dig a trench, you aren't guaranteed that it's all going to be level, so... If you're just gravitating to a line or several lines, one line, because it's higher than one end or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get that. So that pump is the insurance that you're going to get. Exactly. Yep.
0: Right. So why don't you take just a second? uh, You mentioned just a minute ago that there are, you mentioned three different types of pumps. Yep. So you mentioned solids handling, grinder, I guess four, high head and low head. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So do you want to take just a second and explain to the listeners what the difference is between those pumps?
2: Sure. So um, our major pump line here at Orenco is a high head pump. And what a high head pump means is it does high pressure or high uh, TDH, which is uh, you know the head of the pump. And basically it Is has multiple impellers, so the multiple impellers in a high head pump allow you to get the high head. So each impeller is responsible for its own pressure. So you get Mm -hmm. say you have four impellers, and the first impeller does 25 psi, and then the next impeller does 25 psi, so now you have a total of 50, and then the third impeller does 25 psi, so then you get 75, and then the fourth does another 25 psi. So now you get 100. So now you got 100 PSI coming out of that pump. So that would be how a high head pump does get high head. A low head pump typically has one impeller. So if you have one impeller in that low head effluent pump and it can only do 25 PSI, it can only do 25 PSI because it only has one impeller Mm -hmm. for a low head effluent pump. And then we move on to the effluent sewage pump or solids handling pump. And basically, those can do up to a two-inch solid. So they have a single larger impeller that moves solids throughout the system, but at a very low head. And then Mm -hmm. finally, we have the grinder pump, which can be basically talked about as kind of like works kind of like a garbage disposal. So it has a set of cutting blades in it. It turns everything into a slurry and then pumps it out. To the final discharge those typically are used in a commercial application fast food industry a gas station with bathrooms someplace where there's no guarantee what may be going down there or they're going to be dealing with a lot of solids they're going to city sewer typically that's where you see them and then the city sewer wastewater treatment plant treats that slurry so everything just goes out so whatever goes in the tank comes out of the tank with a, with a grinder, right? Exactly. So those are the four major pumps that are there in the industry today.
0: So you mentioned, uh, when you started talking about pumps, you said that we use mostly the high head pump. Why don't you talk a little bit about why it is we chose to go with a high head pump.
2: Part of it is, is that we're primarily just moving the effluent. That's our primary, uh, usage of our pumps is just to do the effluent, capture the solids in the tank. So that's one reason why we do the high head pump. Secondly, we do the high head pump because the life cycle, they're designed to run many times a day throughout the day because it's built on a well industry type pump. So they're high cycles all day long. And that's kind of the difference between one of the big differences between a high head pump and a low head pump is a low head pump isn't designed to run many cycles a day in a 24-hour period. They're limited into their cycles per day where a high head pump is designed for up to a horse, horse and a half, 300 cycles a day because they were mm-hmm. designed for the well industry. and the well industry, hey, when water's needs to be there on demand, the pump's got to work. So there's that. So just moving the effluent, the life cycle of the pump, the daily cycles of the pump, they're robust. They're also very, uh, you want to say, um, less limiting. And how they get put into a mm-hmm. tank by a low head pump, But they just go in. There's not a, a, the ability to screen them. Where we screen all of our effluent with our before it gets pumped out by the by the uh, high head pump. And so we've developed over time what we call the pump vault unit, which the, the pump sits in. So it sits inside the flow inducer side. Mm-hmm. It pumps out. The motor is able to keep cool because it's inside the flow inducer and it's all screened and filtered before it gets pumped out. That's primarily why we use the high head pump is, is for those reasons.
0: Right. And we'll get it. We'll get into uh, why we screen and why we retain the solids and the tank to allow biological activity to occur we'll talk about that another podcast there so you go <laughs> stay, stay tuned i yep. don't want to part of me of <laughs> course wants to like oh oh well wait why are we doing that like we should talk about that and i'm like no we're we're talking about pumps don't yeah it's yep, easy to get lost in a subject like <laughs> this yeah, don't squirrel off and <laughs> yeah. start talking about all the benefits yeah <laughs> so what makes pumps so efficient at moving liquids over long distances
2: well, it, it basically boils down to the high head pump being able to have that total dynamic head or the PSI. It mm-hmm. basically can go through that pipe at a very efficient rate. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the that's whole reason it can go. We use them in what we call liquid only sewers, which I'm sure will be another podcast. But it we will. use them because we can pump for long distances, even miles in a, you know, inch and a half to two inch pipe, those mm-hmm. high head pumps have the ability to pump just effluent liquid through those pipes where that's where we, if it was, had solids, we couldn't achieve that. That's the difference in, in the high head pump just doing effluent by solids handling pump, trying to do solids as well.
1: Right. Are there any other options to using a a pump to transport liquids long distances?
2: Other than, you know, like a lift station or stuff like that. I mean, even like a lift station, in you know the, the big pipe world, they have they have to move volumes of effluent to the wastewater treatment plant because everything's not sloped downward. They have to pump up a hill or they have to pump to the next lift station and pump to the next lift station. So pumps are even used when they say, hey, your system's a gravity system. Okay, it isn't all gravity going to the wastewater right. treatment plant there are lift stations throughout strategically, the, placed. St- strategically mm-hmm. placed to mm-hmm. get that effluent or the solids to the wastewater treatment plant for sure.
0: Right. So speaking of pumping from place to place, you mentioned liquid only sewers and we know that we're using pumps. A lot of people should be using pumps <laughs> in uh, to sewer communities. How are pumps helping make less than optimal lots? So there are a lot of lots out there that are or have been in the past considered difficult to build on for a variety of reasons. Yeah, so for sure. So say you uh
2: had a property that was sloped. So mm-hmm. you, and you were going to build the the house on the lower part of that property and the only usable part of the property was up a slope. So in mm-hmm. other words, you know, you had more property up higher but it was away and the mm-hmm. only way you could build on it was to put your tank at the house and then pump up to at a higher elevation to the usable piece of property to put in either a gravity drain field which if regulations allowed or pump it to a pressurized drain field if that's what regulations so that would allow that and the other one that we get quite often is you know it's just kind of a different same topic but different subject would be a house needed to expand and they needed to expand with a bathroom at a lower level and they right. needed to, you know, they, they, so they wanted to expand the house, but the only way to expand it and put another bathroom in is, was put it at a lower level. So mm-hmm. the, so pumps would allow for that addition or that expansion of that house at a lower level because the bathroom could go to a basin and then from that basin, it could go to the septic tank which was at a higher level. And then the septic tank, the pumps inside the septic tank could then take it to the final destination of the existing or even new drain field. Mm-hmm. So that's one we get a lot is, you know, house uh, expansions or houses built on a property that has different elevations. And the only usable spot for a drain field would be at the higher elevation. And so that's, that's kind of a couple things there. And then when you have pumps in a secondary treatment, unit, it's kind of the same thing. You get a small lot, you have secondary treatment. One of the things that happens is a lot of homeowners will share a common drain field. And the Mm -hmm. only way they can share a common drain field between two or three houses is to pump it from the houses to that common drain field. So that's another thing. If uh, homeowners have to share a common drain field, pumps, once again, allow them to do that where gravity isn't an option for that.
0: So I want to go back to one of the original statements that you made when we were talking about what makes a good pump. Yep. And you said serviceability was really important. And I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about what exactly that means, what someone should be looking for when you talk about serviceability and maintenance of a pump.
2: Sure. So... Here's the difference between a high head pump serviceability and a low head pump serviceability when it comes to the ones that we offer to the communities. Our high head pump is totally serviceable. So what I mean by that, there are several parts to a high head pump. There's the motor, there's the suction connection, there is the liquid end, and there are the internals to the liquid end, and then there also is the cord. Each one of those parts can be replaced individually or as a group at any given time to make mm-hmm. a brand basically a repaired or refurbished pump. So if your motor goes out, you can change the motor. Right. If the cord gets nicked, you could change the cord. If you need a new liquid end, you could do that. You can even do the internals just to the liquid end. So there's a lots of different parts and pieces that can be changed, but we offer the ability to our pumps, our high head pumps to be able to have them serviced and repaired in multiple different type of uh, parts. You could do a lot of different parts. You could do individual parts. Mm -hmm. That brings us to the conversation about low head pumps, right? Low head pumps are not serviceable. They are not maintainable. The manufacturers of those do not offer repair parts. Even you can't even replace a cord on a low head pump. The manufacturers don't offer that. Basically, It's a, the pump is as good as its life is, is when the life of that pump is over, it basically gets turned into a boat anchor, as we would say in the pump Mm -hmm. lab, you just take it and you throw it away. The manufacturers don't even want them back because there's not, it's not cost effective to try to repair those pumps where our high head pump that we offer, it's cost effective rather than buying a whole new pump. You can buy repair parts. It's kind of like Think about this, because you made a, a automotive analogy early on about having pumps in cars. So there's the windshield wiper pump, there's the fuel pump. Right. If you had to change it, you know, and then there's brakes and everything that wears out. If we didn't have that ability to fix things on our vehicles when things wore out, say if our brakes they went out, and when the brakes went out, you threw your car away. Right. Cars <laughs> would not be affordable. Right. I mean, <laughs> no, they would not. A, yeah. So that's kind of the same thing with the with a high head pump. When the motor goes out, for whatever reason, you can replace the motor at a very uh, beneficial cost to the end user.
0: That was a great analogy. Yeah, that's perfect. So as we kind of wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about designing with pumps. And what do you think are the top three or four things that someone should consider when designing with a pump?
2: Yeah, great question. It kind of goes into the very kind of one of the very first things I touched on was selecting the right pump for your application. You know, Arinko are big believers in high head pumps, but we do offer low head pumps. We do mm-hmm. offer grinder pumps. We do offer yep. solids handling pumps. Use the appropriate pump for your appropriate application, number one. Right. So if you're just moving effluent, go to that get an effluent pump. If you're just, you know, pumping out of a dose tank, you could try different There are different pumps for different applications. Secondly, is you know, we have our tool, Pump Select tool, is get the right pump for your hydraulic profile for your design. So, in other words, make sure that the pump you're getting fits your design and is going to hydraulically work in the aspects of what your design is. And then, two, make sure that you have proper power available for your pumps when you're.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: designing, making sure that you have proper availability of power from your, your circuit breaker inside your house or your commercial building. Make sure you have a dedicated circuit for your pump and not try to piggyback on something. We get complaints all the time is every time my pump turns on, my lights go dim. You know, that's, you know, make sure that your <laughs> electrical service is properly sized for right. your pumping system. So, it, you know, I can't emphasize enough that, you know, make sure that you design the system appropriately, make sure that you select the appropriate pump for your application, make sure you have proper power for your, for your pumping system. And it's, it's basically, uh, know what you're trying to get before you're, before you order it. Pump sizing, we have the pump select tool, you know, like we could go into a whole thing about pump sizing and that pump select tool for many times, but, you know, just make sure that you're uh, operating in the pump per the pump select program. In the heart of that pump curve for that pump, and if you ever had a question, if anybody ever has a question after listening to this podcast, obviously they can contact me. They can contact anybody in technical sales, and we can go over that pump sizing. Pump sizing is crucial. Can't emphasize that enough.
0: Yeah, we pumps are definitely at the heart of everything that we do. Obviously, because it's been it's been a challenge this time around to not squirrel off and talk about everything else because the pump is the heart of right every system every wastewater system and the Mm -hmm. the other
2: thing too Angela you mentioned it just came thought to my mind about you know sizing a pump is not only do you want to size the pump properly which we can get into another podcast I'm sure we'll have it right is control panels selecting the proper pump and then marrying it with the proper control panel those two yeah. things are the heart of the system, and they work together. And without a control panel, the pump wouldn't work. But that will be another podcast, I'm I sure. Control panel. <laughs> I was just going to
0: say things to cover in another yeah. podcast. Yeah. yeah. We could definitely talk because, for another thirty minutes you know, about that.
2: Because control panels and pumps, they basically work together, and they have yep. to be they have to be designed and sized together in order to make it all work. Because that's uh-huh. kind of the heart of the system.
1: Yep. Angela is totally right. There's so many rabbit trails we could go oh. off on on the subject <laughs> yeah. and it touches on so many things. So, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Steve, so much for joining us. We really appreciate you and we appreciate the listeners for being here until next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Angela. Bye. We want to thank you again for joining us today. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe where you listen to podcasts. So you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, you can leave your comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website, www.orenko.com. Until next time, have a great day.